0: You know, that Yvonne girl, she's crazy, you know. She thinks Windsor's going to become a tech hub. And this is something that was said, you know, probably seven years ago. And I I laugh now because people's people's minds are changing. And we're starting to see, again, the momentum building with our economic uh, diversification strategy that was launched with the city of Windsor called Windsor Works, focusing on location, infrastructure, future economy and talent. So there's just this, the buy-in is there, right?
1: You're listening to Making It in Ontario the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I speak with some very bright people from Windsor, Ontario. From Invest Windsor-Essex, we had Ed Dawson and Lindsay Paseel. Lindsay is a digital twin virtual reality engineer, and Ed is senior manager of the Automobility and Innovation Simulation team. More on that in a sec. We were also joined by Windsor's unofficial standard bearer, Yvonne Pilon, president and CEO of WeTech Alliance. She's been waving the Windsor flag for as long as I can remember and had a bunch of things to say about what she saw as the future of her city. A city that, for decades, has been seen exclusively as a car town. Detroit.ca, if you will. In fact, as Yvonne points out, the city's welcome sign even reads, Welcome to Windsor, the automotive capital of Canada. They earned that title over decades, providing Canada, the US, and the world with quality automotive products. But in this episode, I was not interested in history. No, I wanted to chat about the future of Canada's auto sector, of Windsor, and about that piece of technology Lindsay and Ed are working on Digital Twins and their VR cave. We've chatted about digital twins on this podcast before. As you'll recall our chat with Windsor's own Jonathan as a party from Laval Tool, a digital twin, in its most basic of descriptions, is a simulation. But I like Jonathan's expanded explanation a little bit better. Quote, a digital twin is committing to excellence before the part even starts getting made. End quote. Digital twinning is one of those industry 4.0 bits of technology that if properly used, can reduce costs, can help eliminate waste, can help provide insights on process improvements, you name it. This technology is not necessarily new per se, it's just getting a lot cheaper. And as costs of this new tech keep coming down, it's allowing more and more companies access to it. As such, people are finding more and different ways to make use of it. Which brings us back to Ed and Lindsay in the VR cave. They made a digital twin of one of Laval Tool's gun drills to show Jonathan how it would work on his shop floor. Take a look at the timestamp on this podcast to see the discussion of the insights Jonathan gained by seeing the gun drill rendered digitally in the cave, which, by the way, kind of looks like a holodeck, albeit a two-dimensional holodeck, but it was able to provide him with insights that he wouldn't have otherwise had. This is Windsor today. Yes, Waterloo is Silicon Valley North, and Toronto is the center of the universe, but don't discount Windsor as a tech center. I asked Yvonne what bits of new technology she and WeTech are keeping an eye on, and she gave me a few answers. A lot of them were well outside the auto space. You heard what Yvonne said at the beginning of this. She sees Windsor as a tech hub, not just for the auto sector, but for the developing automobility space, and for whatever else they want to do. Did you know they're using Industry 4.0 to track bugs in greenhouses now? I didn't. Anyway, this is Windsor Today, and this is how they're making it in Ontario. And now we're rolling. Just like that. Virtually, of course. Hello, everyone. Nick here again with, uh, I have some friends of mine from Windsor, in Windsor, still, because, you know, that's the reality. And I will let uh, in my, I'm going to start with the person in my upper left hand corner because, because Ed, Ed Dawson, please introduce yourself.
2: Thanks, Nick. Kay. good afternoon. I'm Ed Dawson. I am the Senior Manager of Automobility and Innovation at Invest Windsor-Essex, and I have the privilege of leading the simulation team at the Invest Windsor-Essex VR Cave. And one of my colleagues is joining me today, Lindsay, and we have another colleague, Akash. So I'm really happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Now, just for the record, I've uh, chatted with I've uh, chatted with some of your team already, and I'm 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 looking forward to geeking out hard about what you guys are talking about. Next person on my screen uh, directly beneath you is Lindsay Pasil. Did I say that right? You did. Awesome. Hello, Lindsay.
3: Hi, Nick. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm the digital twin engineer at the Invest Windsor Essex VR Cave. As Ed Dawson mentioned, I work directly with him as well as local companies. Um, to try and get their creations and visions into a virtual reality simulation.
1: Wonderful. And uh, yeah, same thing I said to you, or same thing I'll say to you guys about I said to Ed, I'm looking forward to geeking out on this. And then we have Yvonne Pilon from WeTech Alliance. Hello, Yvonne.
0: Hello, bonjour. It's so good to be here today. My name is Yvonne and I'm the president and CEO of WeTech Alliance, one of 17 regional innovation centers in the province of Ontario. I'm also a former founder and, what I like to say, a very big advocate and champion for the Windsor-Essex region, um, specifically in the tech and innovation space. So, Nick, great to great to be here.
1: And very, I'm very happy to have all of you here today. So let's let's start this off with let's start this off talking about Windsor for me and this has been a bit, a bit of a transition for me for me windsor has been automotive but obviously there's a lot more to windsor that i think a lot of people don't fully appreciate am i right
0: ed and i are both nodding our heads so i'll let ed start perhaps uh, uh and start things off on the automotive side
2: sounds good thanks yvonne yeah so you know for the longest time nick you know everyone knows windsor as canada's automotive capital And uh, that's a great history to have. I mean, back from the early 1900s when we had the first uh, manufacturing facility from Ford uh, here on the Canadian side, you know, having that cross-border connection with Detroit, Michigan, you know, the the automotive heartbeat of the United States, it really kind of, uh, you know, led us to the way that we shaped our early economy. And so, you know, just so many things that have existed in Windsor-Essex are revolving around the automotive sector. And, uh, you know, that could be a good thing. And that could be sometimes a challenging thing, but one thing that we're taking from this and we're running with is that we are looking at how do we make this a good thing and how do we transition to what we're calling into Canada's automobility capital. So that's a really neat term, really neat concept. It's it's embracing our past, embracing our heritage, and ensuring that we use you know the zero emission movement of people, goods, and services using you know uh, information uh, technology and ensuring that we take all the tech that on and the team work on and supporting those types of companies and things that we're supporting on a larger scale and make sure that we infuse that into the automotive sector our advanced manufacturing sector so that we can stay on as leaders uh, in this space as we move forward into that uh, zero emission vehicle space
1: so let's talk about that word a sec automobility because i i hear that phrase coming up a lot more um i think i know what it means you know, considering where I am, but for, for the uninformed, let's talk a little bit about that word. What is automobility?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's really, it's, it's looking at zero emissions movement. So we think about down the road, how are we going to move people? So we're moving from the ICE, the internal combustion engine, and we'll be moving to the zero emission vehicles, whether there are battery electric vehicles, currently hybrid battery electric vehicles, or eventually hydrogen fuel cell type vehicles. So there's going to be just depending on the use case, and the application, there's going to be all these different types of electrified vehicles, uh, whether it be passenger vehicles or whether it be commercial vehicles. And so when we think about automobility, it's how do we ensure that, you know, we are the place that we make these vehicles. You know, we've always made these vehicles, all the components. We have the largest cluster of tool dye mold makers here in North America, right here in Windsor-Essex. So how do we take the technology that's out there? For example, using the virtual reality cave that we have, using simulated, Technology and how do we assist companies into making sure that they use some of these advanced technologies to stay on top of the game and make sure that they come to Windsor Essex to help uh, produce these new generation of vehicles. So that's probably the best way to explain it in terms of the way that we're looking at it. So pay, you know, pay, you know, pay nod and, and homage to our past, but make sure that we are, have embraced the technology that's required for future, uh, the future vehicles that are coming online.
1: So. Ed, you and I, real quick, before we rolled on this episode here, we were just chatting about um, our mutual friend, uh, Colin Dillon, chief technical officer at the APMA. And I remember one of the things he said to me a few years ago, uh, and this was, well, he didn't say it to me, he said it during a presentation, but I'm going to pretend that it was, you know, just to me. Um, He said that when it came to industry, uh, you know, the industrial revolution, industry 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 he he said that the changes or, the, or rather the spaces between industry 1.0 and industry 2.0 was this industry 2.0 and 3.0 is this and industry 3.0 and 4.0. It just, th- those spaces just keep getting smaller. I suppose I should have realized that as I'm holding my hands in front of the screen, this is only going to be an audio record. So what I was trying to communicate was that the space between those iterations of industry 1.0, 2.0 is getting shorter. So it sounds to me like, Windsor might be in a state of, uh, you guys are in a bit of a state of flux right now, right? Because like you said, you had the history, which is automotive, and all of the technology that had to be developed around that, the internal combustion engine. Now we're moving towards automobility. So there's a huge shift towards digitization, I'm hearing, which I believe kind of leads into the background of your monitor right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the VR cave, if you could?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is something we're really proud of. Kind of like uh, you know, a child. I've I've really like helped or taken this and embraced it from the beginning. And uh, just to kind of give everyone a, a bit of a background. So Canada's largest VR cave here in in, in at the Invest Windsor Essex. Automobility Innovation Center came um, into fruition in 2019, thanks to funding that we received from the province of Ontario uh, through the Autonomous Vehicle Innovation Network. And uh, we're proud to say that we are one of six regional technology development sites uh, in the Avon Network, uh, as well as our Demonstration Zone partners led by APMA APMA Tech, uh, that's located in Stratford. But for us, we looked at two things here in Windsor-Essex. We looked at cross-border technologies, and we're looking at that, and how do you move uh, eventual connected and level five, at some point, autonomous vehicles safely across an international border. And then we looked at how do we simulate and how do we try to get the best software to assist in in digitizing and simulating some of those processes, uh, taking some of the equipment that's produced and being able to safely test it in a simulated environment. So, that software kind of gave charge to creating this huge VR cave because of the space that it's located in. And uh, it's great because we have a driving buck that we can put in there. Uh, we have live test tracks. We have some exciting announcements coming up in terms of the next, uh, the upcoming test tracks that we're gonna release. Um, and it just gave us an environment to go ahead and test things safely, efficiently, and of course, cost effectively. And that's what we're very proud of with this VR cave. And so not only did it kind of strike a chord with companies that are working in connected autonomous vehicles, but we quickly really realized here in Windsor-Essex that it had applicability as it came to our advanced advanced manufacturers that feed into that space. And that's where our digital twinning program came to life, and we'll, I'm, we'll we'll be talking about that. But the cave has so many different uh, you know opportunities as we move forward. But it's an amazing tool, and uh, we're also proud to be the official simulation partners for APMA's Project Arrow. And so we have the digital model of uh, the Project Aero vehicle, as well as the Avro Aero interceptor aircraft here, and we've re- we've revealed that many times. And thanks to our partners partners at APMA for giving us the opportunity to do that as well.
1: That is fantastic. So communicating what a VR cave is, can be a pretty daunting task to someone who's never heard of it. Unless that person you're trying to communicate with is a Star Trek fan, in which case all you got to say is they've got a holodeck in Windsor and it, they perfectly understand what that is. And I'm, I'm only being slightly hyperbolic about this because you gave me a demonstration about some of the things you can do. And it's, it, it just, it reminds me of a holodeck where you can actually, in real time, say, let's create this product. Oh, how does it work? Does it fit in this space? Oh, it doesn't fit into that space. Let's redesign it. You, okay, now it fits into that space. Okay, now. it's fantastic. And it's, it's immediately apparent to anyone who's been, who spent any amount of time on the USS Enterprise D what it is, what it does, and what its value is. And it's, really, it's a really impressive piece of tech. And full disclosure, this is not the first time we've talked about it, is it, Ed? We've, we've kind of, we've chatted, about, yeah. Um, and in fact, um, it was Lindsay who actually gave me a fair bit of insight on some of the challenges, obstacles, I, I, some of the considerations that one needs, that, that a company needs to go through if they want to engage in this service. Uh, specifically about the licensing, as I recall, Lindsay, can you shed some light on on that on that discussion that we were having?
3: Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Um, so as Ed mentioned, when the cave came to fruition and when it was developed, they partnered with Ansys for a software company, um, which was great, and it has worked really well for our electrified vehicle testing and that initiative. However, with the digital twinning process and having it being more open-ended, essentially being, you can digital twin anything. As long as it's a product or a process, you can bring it to us and we can digital twin it if we have the appropriate software. So with that, in the last couple of months, we've integrated uh, Unity game development software into the VR cave. Now, <clears throat> we also partnered with a company out of Paris um, called Light and Shadows. We use their plugin called Interact. This was a product that allowed us to take our Unity software and actually deploy it into the VR cave. Um, the basic Unity software does not allow you to do this, so we did extensive research and extensive troubleshooting on getting this to deploy correctly into the VR cave, which is now possible. Um, also trying to change the narrative. When people think about Unity game development, it's exactly that. They think of video games. They think of you know fun kind of sitting behind a computer and, and, and playing racing cars or building worlds. And it's not to say that the VR cave can't do that. However, it's changing that narrative to understand it in the digital twin business sense. So the Interact plugin with the Unity, it allows us to bring the physics elements and the ergonomics elements into the Unity space that wasn't there before. And so being able to do this testing and do these things for these companies where we can actually implement the weight of objects and how they interact with gravity and how um, when you collide with something else, you'd actually get that feedback, that haptic feedback in the gloves that you would be wearing. So things like this that are kind of changing the narrative from it no longer just being a video game, but actually being a simulation versus an animation. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do with the digital tweeting process. And that's what people really need to understand when they're trying to bring their product or their process into the VR cave, that we're not just creating this pretty animation that might look right. We're actually creating a direct simulation of what you're going to encounter on your shop floor.
1: Lindsay, can you give me just, I, I, I really want to make, I, I want to flush this out. Simulation versus animation. Can you give me a little bit more bones on that?
3: Absolutely, yes. So, an animation is I am pretty much telling the computer what I want to see, what I want to do. So, for example, if I have a person, I can press record and I can move that person around the screen. I can stop the recording, hit play, and that person will move in the direct motion that I just told it to. However, a simulation if I wanted to simulate a product or process, I could then input some sort of coding that it would then follow. So for example, our tool and mold um, companies that we work with, all of their mold machines, all of their cuts, they follow um, data that's output from the design. Um, and we can put input that data from the design, and then it'll all of a sudden actually show you exactly the cut path that it should be following, not just what I went ahead and made it look like. It's actually showing you and following that script.
1: So Lindsay, you just kind of touched on something there, talking about using video gaming technology and their physics engines. Because I remember when when I would start certain video games, like I think it was, it was Assassin's Creed or Rainbow Six, they would actually start the game by showing the physics in this game were provided by, and there's the company. So the fact that there are video game companies out there just thinking about physics, I can totally see the cross-pollination opportunities. And in fact, Yvonne, I'm probably going to bug you about this. Technology being used for something other than what it was originally thought for. That, Yvonne, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of technology stuff coming out of Windsor right now. And a lot of it could probably be used for, I, I don't think that people have fully un, can fully appreciate the broad options of what the tech can be used for. Is that fair?
0: Nick, you, you bring up a, I mean, that's a really interesting topic. And I've been saying for a long time, I think, you know, the traditional word of tech, when I ask people, what do you think about when you hear that word? You immediately go to the Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazons, Um, And when we think of tech now, it's so broad. So now you've got, you know, we're talking today about the automotive side, and you think about the various trends that are coming into the automotive and mobility sector, such as, you know, Internet of Things, autonomous cars, shared mobility, electric vehicles, digital enterprises, shift in digital retailing, road to zero, right? Zero emissions, zero crashes, um, zero pollution, whatever it is, and new business models. So when we think of WeTech over the last 10 years, we really have had a foot in kind of the core technology. So information communication technology, but as we've kind of looked at the various sectors and going back to your original question, Nick, about Windsor, I mean, having been part of a a regional innovation cluster in the province and, you know, through various board commitments that I have through the Canadian tech network, as well as the technology council of North America, when you think of Windsor, you think of automotive, which is amazing, right? In fact, if you're going down the 401 and you, You you pass our welcome sign and it says, welcome to the automotive capital of Canada, but things are shifting, right? We then built, you know, this automation, this world-renowned automation cluster, and now this new automobility cluster. Um, A lot of people don't realize, too, you know, the technology involvement in our agriculture sector, right? It tends to be forgotten, right? And when you think about... I'm just going to pull up a a quick stat here on um, when we think about the agriculture sector. So 60% of Ontario's greenhouses can be found in Leamington and Kinsville area. In fact, the area's greenhouse acreage is larger than the entire U S greenhouse industry combined, making it the home to the largest concentration of greenhouses in North America with nearly 2000 acres undercover. And again, that might be a bit dated in terms of stats. I don't know, Ed, if you have any new stats, but what that just does is, again, there's so much opportunity when you think about when you walk into a greenhouse, the automation that's happening, the technology that's happening. And we're starting to see these really cool startups and scale-ups start addressing those pain points. And you know something new that happened recently in terms of the tech sector was, and Nick, you and I've talked about this, is what happened uh, when Amazon came and said, you know what, we want to throw a request for proposals for an HQ do bid, right? Windsor-Detroit came together, put a bid, uh, a really cool international bid together. And what that did, it really helped us show off what Canada and Windsor has to offer to our U.S. counterparts in Detroit and Michigan. So what's come out of that is we now have a fintech company that has landed in downtown Windsor That about a year ago started with 10 employees, is now at 70, expected to be at 150 by the end of the year and 200 by next year, end of year. So this nearshoring opportunity has been really interesting. And again, who would have thought Windsor as, you know, with a fintech company, right? So this, you know, Windsor, and I say this very, very honestly, having spent over a decade in this space, we are at an inflection point and we have a lot of work to do. Uh, We have a lot of branding challenges that we've talked about is what Windsor, you know, from the outside and even from the inside in what people think of Windsor and you know Lindsay Ed and I have this unique opportunity to see what the future looks like so What I think I'm really excited about for the region is a few things. One, I think, is this automobility cluster. Uh, We just finished off a a $5 million FedDev uh, investment uh, project and going into a new one starting in April that's really going to focus on automobility, innovation, and entrepreneurship. So you know, when you think about why do startups and scale-ups matter when it comes to the automobility ecosystem, right? I think there's a few things, right? Startups tend to be a lot more... Um, nimble. So they're addressing some of the OEM in the larger tier, uh, you know, tier, what is it, whatever it's tier one, tier two, innovation gaps. They're providing flexibility and innovation. They're providing, providing agility for, you know, faster paced kind of startup culture, right? So when you think about what's happening in the industry and just some examples, you know, of OEMs, startup acquisitions or partnerships, right? So you've got OEMs acquiring startups, not only for their technology, but talent is something I'm sure we're going to talk about today. There's a huge talent gap, right? So you're starting to see OAMs partner with with companies or acquire startups and scales for that talent side. And you have other examples of partnerships like Ford and Lyft, FCN Waymo, GM and Cruise, Toyota and May Mobility. BMW and Park Mobile. I could go on forever. But this really, this is why I'm really excited about, you know, WeTech's role in this is really helping collide these traditional larger companies with these more nimble startups and scale up So that's one thing I'm really excited about. The other thing is this near-shoring opportunity. We have realized that Canada has something to offer. I mean, we, I think a lot of us have known this, but I think we're starting to see uh, favorable immigration policies for talent. Uh, the talent that's coming out of our institutions. It's just unbelievable, specifically in Windsor with St. Clair college and the university of Windsor pumping out some of the largest numbers in computer science um, degrees. We have talent here and we're starting, people are starting to take notice. So we're starting to see this near shoring opportunity uh, play in. And that was a great example with, you know, Edison financial and rocket innovation studios, moving automobility company, attractive. And I could probably go on and on and on of these companies that are saying, hey, there's something really unique about this area. And it's, you know, talent. Again, people, when they think of Windsor, I don't think until you've been here, you don't realize how close we are to Detroit and how interconnected um, these, these industries and economies are in terms of the trade going over, the, the workforce going over. And we just, to me, I've said this so many times, we have everything to be the most greatest city and the most power, like a powerful economic engine. And I think again, I feel like I can say 10 years. So I mean, this is a long-term vision. We never go into something thinking it's going to be five years down the road. You go in with that 20-year vision. But where I see us today, I've never been more excited to be part of this journey and this build that we're doing. I almost feel like we're a startup ourselves. We're just kind of rebuilding ourselves, getting everyone on the bus, working in conjunction with our partners in Detroit, our partners in the province and our, you know, our whether it's municipal, federal, provincial. Um, and I really think that the collaboration that I've seen in the last few years here, whether, again, from different levels of government and partners, is a word, and we talked about this, Nick, too, the ecosystem that we're building here is an ecosystem that's really going to move things quick. And again, I'm just, I'm so excited for what's to come.
1: I agree with all of that. And in fact, I'm, I'm now going to invoke the conversation I had with uh, a mutual friend of all of ours, Mr. Jonathan, as a party. I had a chat with him on a previous episode, and we were talking about what is advanced manufacturing, because we've tried to answer that at Trillium concisely. It turned out to be harder than we thought. But for Jonathan, the answer was simple. It was regional, flexible manufacturing. And we had a whole discussion about scale manufacturing. I promise there's a question in here. I'm, just, I'm building up to it. Given what's happening in Windsor and the development of all of this new technology and Given that we can use different bits of technology for different things, this is what I wanted to kind of talk about. Where do you guys see this new technology coming? And where do you, where do you see it being applied in a new and different way? Because there's a lot of it coming our way. And we can start with the discussion of the holodeck, the VR cave. But like, yeah, I mean, you could use the VR cave to design a mold. You could use the VR cave to design this microphone if you really wanted to. Tell me about some of the new tech that is coming out of this town of yours sorry city 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 yeah, tell me about some of the new tech and where you think this could be applied even if it's if, whether it's automotive or not
2: let's let's do this let's let's talk about the Vrk for a second and I'm sure you know our team here could talk about so many different things first off just big shout out to Yvonne talk about a person who is all in in YQG and always promotes this place I couldn't have found we couldn't have found a better advocate for the region so way to go Yvonne you know we try to take our lead from her and do our part but I mean really everyone is so proud of all the work that's happening here so I just wanted to kind of start off by by saying you know we all feel it there's this momentum that's happening and we're all kind of just rolling with it and we know there's so many great things to come so we're super excited about that you know this this amazing holodeck as you're calling it behind behind me in the picture which the uh, the audience can't see but the vr cave when you think about technology, we look at how can you make things more efficient? So I think for us, it's almost like, you know, you had that, that conversation with Jonathan. It's how do you make companies or how do you allow them to become more efficient and more nimble? And I think that what we're trying to do is we're trying to use this VR, this I, this idea of not only virtual reality, but extended reality and mixed reality and try to bring that into the space and say, look, companies you're awesome at what you do you have heritage and you have knowledge and you've done this for so long but i think that you can't just rest on your laurels you have to be able to be uh, accepting of new ways of doing things and also know that the competition is out there so how do you go ahead and make the changes so that you stay relevant and that someone else doesn't come and take the space that you've been in for so long and i think that this tool behind us is a great opportunity because we can bring them in and we can say look this is how you do things, exactly like we said. It could be a microphone. It could be a mold. It could be a piece for a vehicle. It could be a test of a LiDAR sensor. It could be anything, right? But at the end of the day... A
1: rocket component, maybe?
2: Maybe the rocket component. You got it. Whatever you choose, we can simulate it here. And and Lindsay did a great job talking about Unity and why we chose to complement the ANSA software that was... Created with the cave and then being able to go and add something that is applicable to so many other sectors. So that's the thing here is that we know we're great at automotive and that's what this was born for, but then how do we cover off agritech How do we make sure that the advanced manufacturing is covered off? How do we make sure that the construction sector is covered off? How do we make sure that we can go ahead and we can use this as a teaching tool and inspire the next generation of students as you know Yvonne mentioned talent so I think that the biggest thing is how do we take this and how do we use it to teach and to inspire and to get these companies to get the next generation of talent to be able to figure out what is involved in making sure that they understand extended reality mixed reality virtual reality augmented reality. And then because these are all going to be things that are relevant from here on into eternity. And so we, our job is to really, I guess, bring that into the forefront and show companies, show people how to use it. And that's the, that's the thing that Lindsay does. That's the thing that Akash does. And that's the thing partners like Yvonne and her team at WeTech, the University of Windsor, St. Clair, and the rest of our ecosystem partners, we're all doing our, our bits and pieces to bring them back help us to be able to inspire them and educate them. Case in point before COVID Yvonne would always come to our building. We would have, you know, just big groups of high school students and we would take them in and we'd have different sessions, how to engage them. What does the future look like? What do you love about Windsor-Essex? What don't you love about Windsor-Essex? And then we'd bring them into the VR cave and we'd get them excited. We would get them inspired to say, Hey, if you want to stay in this region, These are the things that we're working towards to say that if you want to find a cool opportunity to stay in Windsor-Essex, you can. And if you choose to go outside of Windsor-Essex, that's okay. But we didn't want to make sure that you didn't leave because there weren't opportunities in the new technology that's out there. That there weren't, you know, that advanced manufacturing is sexy. That the things that are being done, the technology that's being deployed and used in these spaces because we're helping with them is not it's amazing and that it's not maybe the traditional concept or thought that you had about what things were and how things used to be done because everything is changing so i there, there's a bit of a rant for me but i mean i just uh it's inspiring really and in teaching how to use all this great technology and making sure that it's being used throughout the region
1: so for me the utility of what you're working on and and what you have in the background there is very apparent. And not only for like new technology, but just while we were talking, this is an idea I had from the first conversation we had, you could use your VR cave to theoretically lay out a future uh, manufacturing floor. And not only that, you not only would you then create a static, you know, this is what it would look like, but, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you could theoretically run six months 12 months worth of simulated not animated simulated shop floor activity and say oh if this machine is here we're over the course of a year adding five percent travel time which you normally you would not have been able to figure out unless you had that that's laying out of a shop floor that's very old process like that's an old thing that has had to be done and now you could apply this to that is that correct
2: yeah, absolutely, Nick, for sure. Like Jonathan, Jonathan Party. I mean, he was our first project of the digital twinning program, right? We took his gun drill, Lindsay took it, brought it to life simulated it but one of the first things he said when he came to the vr cave and he experienced it in in the cave he said man i probably would have laid it out and set it up on the shop floor differently had i been able to visualize it and see how this thing works and maybe optimize it a little bit better for my shop floor so case in point absolutely layouts and optimization taking data analyzing the data and finding more efficient ways to save money and to make them
1: better so here's my question for for this team then how can we get your technology, and again, I have an answer in my head, but I want to hear it from you guys. How do we get this technology out to more people, out to, out to more SMEs, To out to more Ontario SMEs who do have that, that drive, that, in, that, in, you know, that ingenuity, but they, they just can't R&D? How do we get this to them cheaper, faster, better? How do we do that?
2: So, do you want me to kick it off, or uh, Lindsay or Yvonne? I, I've been talking too much here. If any of you want to jump in. I can say you're to the it. expert. <laughs> no, we'll let, yeah, thanks. No, Yeah, go for it, Lindsay. Uh,
3: yeah, so first and foremost, a really simple, um, or I shouldn't say simple, but the easiest way I would say that comes to mind is the idea that the VR cave is kind of this mass hub. It's this mass center. We have the biggest computing power there. We have four different monitors that's powering this VR cave. We have 4K high screen projectors, better than any movie theater that you would go and watch a, a movie in. So understanding that and understanding the technology that we have here with the VR cave, you could set up the VR cave as your main server. So you could have a company come and I would Develop the um, simulation for them, deploy it out to the main VR cave. And then at that point, I would invite them as guests to collaborate in the VR cave. They can collaborate from their house and connect into my server at the VR cave with an Oculus Quest headset, with an HTC Vive headset. So, understanding that notion first and foremost, that they don't even need to necessarily drive to the VR cave if they're very, very far away, if they're across the border, for example, right now, (laughs) um, and they can't come over. That's a really simple and effective way to get the point across, invite multiple parties, but still host the main idea and the main platform at the VR cave and utilize the computing power that we do have here, as well as my expertise in the VR cave, as well as a cautious expertise in the VR cave. We also have, um, we partnered with Cisco WebEx, um, and we set that up in our entire facility. So it allows us to do like what we're doing right now on Zoom calls, um, and show off the VR cave through a Zoom call with a high-powered, or a high-definition camera powered by WebEx. So understanding those, a lot of people we feel, we mention the VR cave to them, and usually it always seems like a, a feat to try to get to it, um, or like they're too far, or and that's one of the main reasons why they can't access it, but that's absolutely not the case if of course they want to come we're more than happy to host them in Windsor but understanding that we have those as uh, main key components to get the word out and have people come and visit
0: and and maybe I'll just chime in on this too and traditionally we've seen in Canada and this isn't I mean I'm I'm making assumptions here but kind of a lag in terms of R&D and innovation right there's And everyone's nodding. So I'm hoping I'm correct on that on that statement. But seeing is believing. And I think with something like this, the more people use it, the more companies see the opportunities within the VR cave, the more companies will leverage it. Right. So Lindsay and Ed are doing, you know, they're working with the like the academic institutions. Right. So if the companies don't necessarily have the time, how do we bring in talent to help support that innovative thinking and the ability to see how can I use this platform? So, you know, this is why it's so important for, you know, as we look to uh, policies of, you know, funding to support innovation R&D, that's extremely important because, you know, if you think about COVID, what's, what is one thing it's done? It has accelerated digital transformation in almost every industry. It's been crazy. And I think ultimately too, as we look to how do we get more people to use the cave in these new technologies, I think the thing we need to think about too is this continuous learning, right? We've got to constantly be upskilling, reskilling our teams to learn these new technologies, right? So to me, the the skill, like the upskilling, reskilling plays into this as well as the R&D and innovation side. And I think they're they're both kind of the same, uh, but I think that's equally important. Um, And really just partnering with with institutions, right? There's so many co-op opportunities, internship opportunities that these companies can participate in to leverage, you know, give amazing experiential learning opportunity to these students, but ultimately getting great value back to the company to see, for example, how can we simulate something within a virtual reality setting through the cave. So
1: can I start sending you guys customers?
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I Do you guys have a price breakdown, like how much your services cost? Because, I mean, you guys can, from what I'm hearing, you guys can basically do anything from helping to set up a shop floor to designing molds, and not just where they are on the shop floor, but also the molds themselves. Like, Like, seriously, are you guys ready to receive customers? Like-
2: Let me get there. So I uh, we just had a presentation just before this um, from a a dynamic MBA team at the University of Windsor called the Apex team that we've been working on with for over four months that came up with a, a different more of a sustainability plan for the VR cave and a in, in terms of a model of what we could potentially charge for some of these services, because we all know that we want to expand these opportunities and this is something absolutely we want to look at. And so I think that uh, as long as we have the capacity, Nick, we're, we're definitely willing to, uh, to take a look at it. So I'm going to give you like some stats. So in terms of our digital twinning program, the goal was to have, you know, up to between eight and 10 companies, Windsor-Essex companies as part of it uh, so that we can, uh, you know, teach them digital twinning and utilize the services that we have. We're at 13 companies. So we've tapped out. We're there. Uh, right now, we're focused on some of the work that we're doing on the autonomous vehicle innovation network side. So we want to make sure that we have a lot of companies in that space. So, um, you know, if there's if there's a bit of a tie in there, we still have a lot of capacity there that we can kind of tie into. But it seems like the digital twinning side is really where the uptick has been. And so, yeah, absolutely. So I think what we're what we have to do now is uh, we got to figure out in terms of resources, what uh, what we have to do to ensure that we can take these projects and and make sure that we can run with them but you know we're always open so if you have a company with an immediate need like Lindsay said you know we'll certainly have a meeting and 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 try to kind of hash out what they're looking for and if we can if we can assist them right away we would certainly do that and uh, if it's more of a down the road roadmap then we can take a look at what's involved and how do we get there
0: we should probably offer nick a referral a referral bonus being uh A beautiful Windsor pizza. So, for those listening, Windsor is well known. In fact, a documentary just launched on just how amazing Windsor pizza is. Not just you know regionally, we're talking in the world. And I say, if you come here, yes, we've got cool technology, but we've got delicious, delicious pizza, great wine, great whiskey. uh, Ed,
1: oh, there you
0: (laughs) got everything over here. (laughs)
1: There it is. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, careful with that. I might just drown you in because I mean here's my question. That service you're offering is fantastic. I can think of a million things that I'd want to try with it, aside from playing call of duty on it, but who, like, what is the price floor on this? Like, what is the basic package? Because here's why I ask a lot of people that we talk by people, I mean, company owners and manufacturers, a lot of them that I talk to, and a lot of them that we talk to at Trillium, there's a, there's a perceived notion that industry 4.0 and all that new technology. Oh, that's for Magna. That's for Toyota. That's for the big stuff. That's for the big companies. And it's just like, no, 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 no. You too can access this industry 4.0 technology, but it needs to be demystified. So I guess that would be my question. How small, how, how S of an SME can you guys service? Like, What's like, that's why I was trying to figure out like the costing structure. Cause I know the equipment you're playing with is not no, cheap. Is it
3: definitely not um, in terms of a cost structure it, it, to give you a baseline, to give you a baseline, you're looking at a um, hundred dollars an hour for the usage of the cave itself. And so that would be your baseline. Understanding that every company is different that's coming into this space and depending on what they're working on and what their background is. So if they already have a 3D file, if they're already working in 3D, whether that be for the construction and whether that be Revit um, software um, or whether that be they're working in the tool and mold and they're using CADCAM cam or something like that, all of those being 3D softwares. Most people nowadays are working already in a 3D platform. So with that being said, it's a very easy, most of the time, conversion to take that 3D um, development that's already been created by them and bring it into the VR cave. So the time that you're actually paying myself or cash to put it into the VR cave is next to nothing at that point. If you start to look at progressing further and adding in the simulations, adding in the physics portions, adding in the ergonomics, then you're starting to look at an, an additional $100 an hour for the design time. So if you're looking at a full design time and you utilizing the VR cave, you're at $200 an hour. And then, obviously, depending on the product or the process and how long it's going to take, that is obviously dependent on what I'm working on. It could take four hours. It could take two weeks. It just depends, Um, and that's something that we would sit down and we would discuss. Obviously, ahead of time and quote be able to quote you on.
1: That makes sense. Okay, so it's two hundred an hour, not two thousand an hour or five thousand. Okay, that seems a lot more attainable. Yeah, That that. Thank, thank you for that. That took a lot of the, the, mis, the mystique out of that. It's like, okay, so it's like a consultant service for this. Love it. That makes sense. We could talk about digital twins for probably the entire time, but um, I want to quickly ask Yvonne a carte blanche question. We're talking about digital twins. Yes, great. What other bits of technology are you currently keeping an eye on, Yvonne?
0: We, we keep an eye on our portfolio, right? So our portfolio is about 300 companies a year. About 50% of that is really idea stage, right? So ultimately, we're keeping an eye on, on, on our portfolio. And again, when you think about these sectors within our portfolio that are the highest, they are agritech, um, ICT. So again, your general app, SaaS-based, um, you know, mobile applications, But when I think about it from a macro level, from a regional perspective, you know, this whole case, you know, connected autonomous uh, vehicle electrification, mobility as a service, cybersecurity, those are technologies we're focusing on because they are part of our future when we think about within that industry is like you know just today for example we saw um, an announcement come out with ontario and michigan partnering for cross cross border transportation technologies i mean just those technologies alone very unique to windsor right of how how things cross the border think about when an autonomous vehicle crosses an international border Um, you know, how it shows up to a border guard, if anyone's crossed our borders, or how the networks change. These are things we have to think about. And again, with the amount of trade that's coming in, whether it's commercial, or just talent crossing the border, these are things we have to think about. On the agriculture side as well, right? You know, these are things we've got to constantly think about. But on a bigger level, what I would love us to start thinking about is tech for good, how do we build technology for good, whether that's technology that's inclusive technology that makes you know, people healthier, the world better. And something we've got to think about right now is the environment, right? Um, we're seeing you know crazy ra- the temperatures, uh, wildfires, uh, and something we're, we're partnered on uh, is called Erie Hacks. So it's innovating the lake. We've got the great lakes in our region. Again, another crazy like asset, but also something we have to protect. So for me, you know, leveraging technology and innovators is, you know, what we're focused on, but how do we build technology again for good? And the one thing that's exciting about the opportunities that we have in our organization is the ability to collide people, collide innovators with industry. And I think that's where the beautiful things come about, right? And we saw this with one of our companies. Uh, The company is actually called Splice Digital. The product's called IPM Scout Tech. And it really was, uh, if you if you're familiar with a greenhouse, a lot of the times, you know, pest control is a big problem, right? So you traditionally saw people walking down, you know, the 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 aisles with a pen and paper, just tracking different types of bugs, right? That was a big pain point and a very time consuming. Not, you know, data was hard to extract off of a piece of paper. So the company that we work with, IPM Scout Tech, basically fully automated that from you know an iPad. So walking down easily, putting this is a uh, you know this bug or this bug, which which part of the plant has been has been compromised, and all that goes into the cloud and aggregates this amazing data set that helps us make better decisions. In fact, when you think about that on a bigger scale, when you start to see multiple users on this, you can almost predict when a potential bug could potentially be coming. Um, you know, closer to your facility, right? Or new bugs for that matter. So that's, what's really exciting about our space is this innovation potential within existing problems or existing companies, more traditional, larger companies that tend to be less nimble with the startup culture. And I think that part super excited about, and we're already seeing that again, as I mentioned earlier about why startups and scales are starting to work with OEMs. Um, and I think that's ultimately what we're here to do. Work with team, the team at Invest Windsor Essex, our institutions to help students really become innovative, right? Um, solving those problems of tomorrow.
1: Yvonne, you mentioned uh, that most of the projects you're you're keeping an eye on are still in the idea stages. And I'm wondering if there isn't an opportunity here, with given the technology in your ecosystem, in your direct ecosystem, I'm wondering if the technology can be used to help shorten the time between idea and reality.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a technology for everything. I mean, the challenge with that is every industry is different, right? I think about medical technology, right? What a long process to market that could be, depending if it's a device, it's class, you know, depending on what class it is, if it's a pharmaceutical. So every industry is different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, perhaps that's something we, uh, we challenge, uh, the students for. And one of the wonderful things we've done here over the last two years is, you know, we've got to fill the funnel, right? There's gotta be the top of the pipeline. And that is, you know, a lot of the times we focus on students And we just get them excited about entrepreneurship and solving problems. And we do that very well here with hackathons. So we've done border hacks, which really focuses on border challenges. We've done it with win hacks, which again, has multiple challenges. A lot of the time still focused on automotive, but healthcare. So um, those are great opportunities to get people starting to think about creating a product or a service or solving. And then if if nothing comes out of that, what a beautiful thing of colliding talent with industry, right? So um, we've we're now in our think third year, second year of Border Hacks coming up in September, um, and again we're getting thousands of students participate. It's unbelievable what's happening here, and and again I think there's been this kind of there's starting to be these heads turning, right? When you start to go like Major League Hacking is we partner with them on these things, and they're like, what are you doing down there in Windsor to get this many students participating in these things so I I have to chuckle when I hear those things and when I start to see some of our our friends with more traditional tech ecosystems or or even Nick you reaching out and saying what's going on in Windsor to me it's also validation that things are happening right people are paying attention but this didn't happen overnight and it's still not going to happen overnight right it's constantly looking 10 20 years ahead right and I think you know one of my favorite quotes and people always ask me how you know I I'll never forget this comment to someone that you know was talking. Someone was talking to a friend and said, "You know that Yvonne girl? She's crazy. You know she thinks Windsor is going to become a tech hub." And this is something that was said, you know, probably seven years ago. And I I laugh now because people's people's minds are changing, and we're starting to see again all these people, and and we we see. The momentum building with our economic di- uh, diversification strategy that was launched with the city of Windsor called Windsor Works, focusing on location, infrastructure, future economy, and talent. So there's just this the buy-in is there, right? So um, really excited at the future, as you can tell.
1: Yes, uh, y- your excitement is palpable and infectious, Yvonne. One thing you said about uh, we were we were talking about filling the pipeline of skilled talent, and I think. My two cents is that if you're if you're going after people in their 20s, you're already too late. I think there needs to be a a, a more we, there needs to be a catalyst for curiosity at a younger age. Oh, and yes, <laughs> I think based on again going back to the demonstration that Lindsay gave me that day uh, on the VR cave, I think that just put a bunch of students in the cave, just show them, hey, this place exists. And yes, the majority of them will probably be like, oh man, I'd love to play a video game on this. Like I did. And, but I think there's going to be, there's going to be that critical mass, that handful of them that are, are going to be like, I could probably design something with this. Is there any plans to just get a bunch of students to come through there at all? Just to be like that, to, just to provide that catalyst for, I think you guys are doing stuff like that, right? How old are those students?
0: We've done it with the, the high school major program uh, for a number of the, the school boards. And, and, and Edit, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were probably in their later grade 10, 11, 12 uh, age group. But one thing, Nick, as we talk about building that talent pipeline, we could we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Windsor Essex First Robotics. So First Robotics is a, a global uh, program that is, you know, has multiple levels from grade school, um, high school robotics programming. So Windsor, prior to the pandemic, it's been a pretty quiet, um, although we still have teams competing, um, had one of the largest growth in Canada. So we had about 17 high school teams competing, about 60 grade school teams competing. And I sit on the board um, of, the, of the regional Windsor-Essex First, and I know Ed has been a judge at the Great Lakes, um, our big Great Lakes event, which brings together 40 teams from, uh, from across Ontario and some actually international and, and uh, um, teams. But this program, if anyone has not heard of First Robotics, please check it out, watch their videos. These are, this is the future. These are the future engineers, the future scientists, technologists, and mathematicians. And it is so diverse. It is so fun. They always say it's kind of like a rock concert meets NASCAR race. And I can't remember what the other analogy is, but we've seen locally What's really interesting is both institutions have developed bursary programs, right? So if you're part of a FIRST Robotics team regionally, you get, you know, X amount of dollars to go into um, our local institution. So for example, we do a bursary program every year through FIRST, and it's really interesting to see the pipeline of people going into STEM, right? So that's the beautiful part about FIRST is that it is, it, you know, this research they've done over the last, uh, I don't know how long they've been around for now, but- you know, it's X amount more of the students go into STEM-related programs. So, and that is the future of our industry. I mean, I I, I get goosebumps thinking about it when I go. When we we used to have this tournament every year at the end of March, early April, and you saw big names like Kuka Robotics, Centerline, Brave Controls, some of these monster monster companies, and even great large companies here locally, not only giving cash allowing their staff to volunteer to be mentors to be judges it's literally the most amazing thing ever and I have to say it's been something I've really been you know a bit sad about over the last two years not being able to experience that because it literally is a key to our pipeline um, here at Windsor-Essex and, and again to your point Nick it's that's one program that's been super successful here but we really need to get into the grade schools and high schools and you know, not every tech teacher is a tech person, right? And that's not fault of any school board. But, you know, I just think every day, the, the cost, I just wish we could triple our, our workforce, because the amount of teachers going, you know, can you help us find a speaker? Can you bring come to my class? And there's just not enough hours. And there is a big disconnect there. And, and not only into STEM, but into entrepreneurship. I mean, when have you been to a career fair, and you see a booth that says, be your own boss, right? You don't see that very much, right? So, uh, those are things I, I think that are super important early because let's be honest, when you're grade grade 11, you've got to even grade 10, you got to decide what you want to be when you grow up, right? And I wish we'd stop saying those things and start thinking what do you what problem do you want to solve as you get older and think about shifting the way we think about uh, the future, right? So, and I'm stealing that from like a Google evangelist, so it's not my statement, but it stuck with me when I read it because imagine if we shifted from what do you want to be when you grow up. To what do you, what problem do you want to solve when you grow up and go that route?
1: Right? That's yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. It reminds me of when John Lennon got asked in class, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be happy. And the teacher was like, I think you misunderstood the question. And John was like, I yeah. think you misunderstood life. Amen. Yeah. We have now been speaking for just under an hour and I want to be very cognizant of everyone's time. More um, time,
0: more time. This is so fun. <laughs> I'm <just> yeah. <laughs>
1: No, this conversation has been great. And I mean, I, I've been taking notes while we've been chatting and I, 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 I'm going to think of a thousand questions that I wanted to ask you guys after this, but this is likely going to need a, a part two on the Digital Twins discussion and just the technology that's, that's coming out of Windsor. And Yvonne, they're lucky to have you. I hope they know that.
0: Oh, and hey, listen, I appreciate the accolades, but I'll tell you, this is truly a team effort teamwork makes the dream work my staff will tell you that but another thing to note: we're not alone in this right and the beautiful thing about what we're seeing in Canada is this interconnectivity right we've seen it in the province with Avon so you know it's not about wins or wins it's about Canada winning right you know so I know we're championing the region but ultimately we're championing our country right we're, we're so and it's just been this beautiful thing to see all these, these partnerships build. And I think COVID has accelerated that. And for us, the partnerships extend to our friends um, in Detroit, in Michigan, in the USA. So uh, again, it's, it, it really is an ecosystem, a team effort that makes this possible. So, and, and that's the way to the future, right? If we do not build strong collaboration and partnerships, we will not win. Um, so we have to, right? Aggressively collaborate is always... Uh, one of our mottos
1: i like that it's the rising tide that floats all boats
0: exactly
1: ed Lindsay, yvonne thank you all i will uh be likely showing up in your inboxes again at some point to do this again but until then thank you so much for your time thank you so much for your insights and we will chat again soon
0: thank you nick we owe you a pizza when you when you come next time you're i'll hold you to
1: that
2: VR Cave Tour and Pizza, all combined.
0: <laughs> Done. Oh, I'm in. Yes. Oh. I'll be perfect. there in about 10 minutes, That's, Ed. That sounds
1: fantastic. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone. Thanks,
0: everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.